and thanks for joining us on Alan Carr's Easy Way podcast. I'm Colleen Dwyer. I'm a senior Alan Carr's Easy Way therapist. I'm the presenter of our series of online video programs and your podcast host. Um, it's great to have you back and I'm looking forward to sharing some inspiring insights into the revolutionary method developed by Alan Carr. We offer an approach that helps people overcome their addictions without the need for willpower or substitutes. We begin with our Addiction Central segment and regular contributor John Dicey, the global CEO of Alan Carr's Easy Way, who is also the co-author of Alan Carr Books and a senior Alan Carr's Easy Way therapist who has helped literally millions of addicts to freedom over the last 25 years. John and I are hearing from listeners who've contacted us with questions, including why do we use the term quitting when Alan Carr was against using this phrase? And does the book work the second time around? If you'd like your questions answered, drop us a line on pod at alancarr.com with whatever you'd like to say or any questions that you have. And we're also joined today by Ty Gray L, who is an internationally renowned storyteller and author activist, poet, playwright and public speaker. It was so interesting to hear Ty talking about his history with smoking and heroin addiction and how he quit alcohol with Alan Carr's book. He's got a great voice and he's a fascinating character and I'm sure you're going to enjoy the conversation. If you have any questions or comments about any addictions or about the podcast, please get in touch. And even if we don't actually feature your question in a future episode of the podcast, we will personally reply to every single question we receive, providing you with detailed advice and guidance. So don't forget, get in touch on pod at alancar.com and do also check out alancar.com and there you'll see the host of addictions and issues Alan Carr's easy way has now been applied to. So let's get started. Here I am talking with John Dicey. This is Addiction Central. Addiction Central. We want to air your success stories. Answer your questions. And provide advice. This advice is free of charge. We'll answer every question we receive with no exceptions. Hello, John. Good to see you again. So we have three questions from three listeners today. And I'll start off with Jasper, who is in London in the UK. Jasper says, why do we use the word quit? in the book titles now when historically Alan Carr was always against using it, i.e. you're not giving up or giving in to anything. What do you say to that, John? Well, this is great, isn't it? Because we had, we, we should have full disclosure here. We, we've kind of emailed about this this morning and we've come up with some really interesting stuff because this question, it comes up a lot on our social media. And I, you know, I worked with Alan uh, you work closely with Alan as well. And I I always got the impression, somewhere along the line, that, that quit was one of those sort of words we want to avoid if we can, really. Um, and I think that, that does go back a long way. Um, I think possibly back, you know, we're getting old, aren't we? To the last century, you know. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Alan was always quite rightly saying, you know, we don't talk about giving up. We talk about getting rid of it or escaping or whatever. Um, I think the quitting thing might have got mixed up in that. Um, and I think I've, I've been, could be one of these urban myths because I've been asked about it so frequently, so often. Um, I'd always say the same thing, which is, yeah, you know, Alan and I, we used to talk about um, 
about uh, language and terminology. Uh, I think it, this might have come up when the book was first published in the USA. Since we corresponded earlier, I'm racking my brain to think um, what might have caused it. And I think it might have been something in, uh, with, with the USA where nobody talks about stopping smoking or, or giving up smoking in the USA. They talk about quitting. That's what they talk about. So almost got lost in translation. And some people, I think, started thinking, oh, quitting uh, quitting is a bad word. We don't talk about quitting. Whereas I think most people haven't got a negative view of quitting, have they? You, you know, if you're in a bad relationship, you quit, get get away. If, you, if you're in a bad job, you quit, go somewhere else or whatever else. Now, this is the interesting bit. This is where you're brilliant. Um, I sort of flagged this up with you earlier, um, thinking that, 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 that you know, the, the, all these people talked to us were right, that at some point in the past, uh, Alan must have been um, disparaging about quitting and quit. Uh, I definitely talked to him about it. And this is going back in sort of the early 2000s, and it came up, and we talked, well, we got to... We've got to start using it more because it's unavoidable. Um, partly because even back then, the search engine optimization on websites require you to use the word, you know, the phrase "quit smoking." If you if you use the word "stop smoking" in certain countries, I've got a clue what, they, what you're talking about. And even the sort of internal, what are they called, algorithms on Amazon or whatever, the book with the word "quit" in it will will, will work its way up quicker, uh, higher, uh, more quickly. So we definitely had these conversations about it, and I don't—I honestly don't remember Alan having a problem with it. Yeah, I'm presuming there must have been because so many people were talking about it. But uh, and then you did some research, didn't you? Well, I got my book out. Yeah, my third edition book of um, Alan Carr's Easy Way. That was published in 1999. Alan said, "You know, we don't talk about giving up. We talk about quitting. We talk about stopping. We talk about escaping." His favourite one, he said, was escaping. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it's one of these urban myths about uh, quit being a being a, a, a wrong speak, uh, which I've got to be honest, I've, I've, I've kind of suffered that for years and years. I've been, you know, I've always got an answer for it, which is when I've, we spoke about it, and we've been using quit more and more because the, the US thing and uh, it was a, just a fact of life we had to. Um, I wonder whether there might be a, there might be um, something in uh, one of the other books that, that where he, Alan talks about it, maybe prior to the US and maybe you got some feedback or something but uh, okay that's not a bad shout anybody out there who is under the impression that Alan said uh, uh, don't say you quit um, let us know where where you know where, where, find the uh, reference and we, we'd love to know because we can't uh, we can't find one you haven't got a first edition uh, clean I definitely have um, if I can dig out another copy I'll give you. I'll give you a first edition because I'm. I'm imagining you've got this. You know, shelves of Alan Carr books, different editions, and there's this one <laughs> small gap where that first edition should go. So actually, on that note, I do like sometimes when we're putting up the um, like TikTok videos. Like so, when people um, have done a little video of themselves um, talking about their experiences quitting um, quitting with us um, the tag that we put on there is amongst other tags there's a tag giving up smoking and we know he didn't like talking about none of us like talking about giving up so that's a definite you know 
that's not an Alan Carr kind of way of thinking about it, but we still have to use it because, like you say, because of the algorithms and because that's that's the vernacular. That's what people talk about when uh, they're smokers, and we've got to meet people where they're at. You know, if people are going to be searching on Google for giving up smoking, um, we can't ignore that. <laughs> you know, we can't ignore that yeah. that's the language. And that, that comes down to also that search search engine optimization, which is incredibly pain, painful process to go through with a website. Um, that I mean, I don't really, I don't claim to understand it at all. But there's all kind of keywords you have to use on, on a certain number of pages and a certain number of ways or whatever. Uh, and that's also where you know having to use giving up is really important. So, I mean, sometimes I look at a website and I, I love it. You know, really love what we got there. Um, but there are pages on there that talk about nicotine. You know, pages and pages of none of which I would ever want to write, none of which is relevant, not, not going to help anybody, but is there just for SEO purposes? Um, and it does bother me because that's, that's really not what we're about, but it's a sign of the times. If you, know, if, if you have um, Big Pharma, um, other sort of uh, perhaps unscrupulous people trying to you know, get smokers or addicts to, to access their services, um, and they, will, they use... All the all the tools in the uh, uh, available to them, then we've we've got to we've got to do the same, I think. But uh, but yeah, so that was a really great learning experience for me as well. Never been a problem with quit, which is great. I don't have to feel slightly awkward about it anymore. Um, and uh, was it Edith? Was it Edith or was that somebody else? No, that one was from Jasper in London. Oh, Jasper. Okay, Jasper. Yeah. Um, Cool. I think um, we've answered Jasper's question, I think, there. So the next one is Edith, and she's from Winnipeg, Canada. So Edith says, I read the Alan Carr book and listened to the DVD, quit so easily for a week, and for some reason I was stupid and started smoking again. And I heard, if you do that, the book doesn't work so well the second time around, so please tell me that is not true. I still know how how freeing it was to quit. I have two adult children with serious illnesses, and that is my stress. I'm 63 and a retired ICU nurse. I love the taste of a cigarette, but I know I'm killing myself, and also the waste of money is ridiculous. Thanks for any feedback. So that's that's Edith in Canada. Well, that's great. I get a feel for for Edith there as well. Um, so it sounds like she she was free, had no problems with it. Then and she's saying now she loves the taste of it. But I'm guessing that when she was free and she didn't have any problems with it, she didn't miss the taste of it. So that's quite interesting. I think what it's one of those things that when you when you fall back into the trap. All the old brainwashing, all the old illusions and myths come back. It's a shame. The most common one actually is when you know somebody who stopped smoking for a year or something uh, after a seminar, and they uh, they come back and they say, "Oh, it didn't work." I'm really sorry to hear about that. Uh, what happened? I said, "Well, uh, I was fine for a year." <laughs> okay, that kind of worked. Then fine for a year. Then I went out, drank too much, and oh, I smoked, and that was that. I said, okay, well, on the face of it, that sounds like a reasonable um, thing for them to say. So I tend to push them a little harder. So hang on, let, let me think about this. So did you live like a monk for a year? Um, not go out drinking, not, you know... No, 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 I was, you know, go out every Friday night, every Friday and Saturday night, you know. Uh, um, and I said, yeah, but... A year later, was it a particularly sort of 
big night out. No, not particularly. No, I've been on stag nights. I've been or um, what? What do they call them in America? Stag nights. Uh, oh, bachelor. Bachelor, bachelor parties or whatever things, else. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, big bowling to- tournaments. Uh, never had a problem. I said, well, it wasn't the alcohol then, was it? That sort of penny kind of drops, but that's. Once somebody gets forced back into the trap, all the old myths and illusions come in. The guy had gone, you know, a year without a problem. Now, what happened, what occurred after that year was he got overconfident. You know, he forgot one of the main instructions. Don't throw out of curiosity or uh, overconfidence. Have a cigarette. As soon as you do that, you're back in. Um, and it, so it's, it, 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 one thing, um, as Alan Carr, therapists, facilitators, we have to deal with a lot. It's just not being confrontational about it, but just really kind of... And it takes honesty on the part of the smoker. You know, you know, if they want to dig their heels in and claim, no, no, it was the alcohol, that was a problem, whatever, it's very difficult for us. But if, if you can just illustrate with their own uh, uh, recollections how they really didn't have a problem with alcohol, it was only at that point, then, you know... The, the cause of that can only be one of several things, you know, overconfidence, flippancy, or whatever. So you had freedom and you threw it down the drain. And uh, great news is we can get you free again, but you're not going to make that same mistake again this time around. It's really, really important. Um, so I've digressed a little bit back to a sort of Edith who uh, is uh, wants to get to freedom again. Did, was it with the book she was talking about, or just? Uh... Yeah, she um, read the book and listened to the DVD. That's interesting. Listen to it, isn't it? Sort of, I guess you mean. Like, um... What? So it says I read the Alan Carr book and listened to the DVD. So maybe she's got an old version. Is oh, that what you mean? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that might be one with the, some sort of audio that came with it or something like that. Uh, yeah. Well, and this was for first thing I'd say to so get the latest up-to-date version of the book. If you can't attend a seminar or, or get the online video program, uh, the most up-to-date version of the method in written form is uh, Alan Carr's Easy Way to Quit Smoking, uh, which is topical, uh, rather than stop smoking. Um, and really is um, includes probably 20 years' worth of learning and understanding from the live seminars so it, it really is it, it it talks more about things that were mentioned in the original book so um habit habit is quite often i think in the first version it's it's almost mentioned in passing but in the easy way to quit smoking we talk much more about it in terms of okay how does a how does a habit work and what do we think it's the habit that's causing the problem um, we talk about, um, you know, I guess it's, it's for the 21st century. We talk about the association between smoking and anxiety uh, uh, um, and self-harm, which we've never even mentioned in the original book, in terms of uh, uh, use with cannabis, that kind of thing. Just a whole, there's, there's a, an awful lot of stuff in there which uh, wasn't covered in the original, which is, is probably more more um, more necessary than ever um, uh, today um, and, and and expanding on it as well you know taking the other other bits and pieces forward the association between smoking and weight gain is hand, handled much more in, in much more detail 
um, how to avoid going back to smoking again is, is handled in much more detail. Um, so um, that's the first thing I'd do, Edith, if you, if you can afford to get um, get the, late, the absolute latest version of the, the book. Um, or, as I say, I've got to, got to say, um, get yourself booked into a, a live seminar. Um, has a money back guarantee. You can't you you can't lose really. Uh, and I think um, I say I, I reply to these all, all before we we put together the podcast, don't I? So I mean, I, I sent Edith by memory on a, on a couple of pages of advice on what to do if she just wants to you know use the book that she's she's still got and that should that should you know hold her in good stead. Uh, she'd rather she'd rather do that. Anything else for you to add from today? Did I cover everything? Or there's... If someone's quit with a book, like Edith says that she was happy, do you know, it was so easy for a week. So she knows and she can remember the, the how freeing it was to quit. Well, then she that can sometimes make you panic a little bit more because you think, oh, my God, have I blown my one and only chance, you know, and absolutely not. You know, you just uh, you've had a glimpse of what um, you're after. So it's just about, like you say, either reading that book uh, again with the guidance that you provided or. I can't help myself for saying it, but better still, you know, do the um, do the seminar. Sometimes I wonder whether people think it's like, um, you know, like some, um, I don't know, it's not called a pyramid scheme, but like they get you in at a certain low level, you know, cheap way of doing it. And then you have to pay more to get to a different status and a different, and it's almost like, I don't know, some people worry perhaps that that's what this is, that, you know, you get them in with a hook of the book and then they've got to pay a bigger amount to get to the next level and the next level and it's not that it's just that this is the most powerful way of getting it and same as you John I um, read the book I liked it you know I I found it very um, insightful and perceptive and I related to to what was being said but I didn't quit smoking um, and thank goodness there was a seminar because I don't know what what I'd have turned to um, if not so yeah thank goodness I went along to the seminar I was nervous I was worried I thought oh you know what are they going to say to me that's different from the book I know what's in the book so you know how how is this going to be any different in the seminar and uh, but of course it, it is for for all the reasons that you've mentioned you're in a group with other people in the same boat as you the facilitator can actually um, answer your questions they can pick up on any miscommunications misunderstandings there are different ways to demonstrate the trap that a book can't so it's um you know if it's possible at all uh, edith i would 100 recommend going to the seminar but if not you've got great advice there from john in your email to uh, to reread the book with with that guidance i think you're right about the sort of some people's perception can be a, bit, a little bit a little bit skewed i think people are quite cynical about everything you know not just about you know stopping smoking with alan carr but there's a lot of cynicism uh, out there um and I, I do make it my business to kind of keep an eye on what sort of other stop smoking um methods are doing in their marketing and virtually all of them hook people in with an advert for something that's either free or, or cheap and then upsell. I think there's an official phrase for that, the upsell. Oh, the, now, if you really want to stop smoking, it's going to cost you this much and uh, and, and add this on or whatever else. Um, 
and that's just not us. We've never, we've never, ever been like that. We just we're quite open about it. That the, uh, the it's great that the book makes it really affordable for everyone to use the method, and has been phenomenally successful. As I say, we don't want people to misunderstand what we're saying. The book is brilliant. You know, it's uh, the best-selling, most effective stop smoking book of all time worldwide, and uh, so it's something else. Um, but you know, don't beat yourself up if if it doesn't work for you. That's the that's you know because you know if you like that's uh it's it's alan carl light you know if that makes sense um anyway it's, it's a it's a great point i think edith and other people listening to it will say well hang on well, what do you say you won't what did alan say it won't work the second time i think there is a part in, in one of the books where alan says that and i think all, all he's trying to do is have people cherish their freedom and that's all i would say to anybody you know if you're listening to this and you're already free from whatever drug it was, and and you're you're tuning in out of just interest, you know, never stop cherishing your freedom. It's the most brilliant thing you've got. Um, and the only time um, people have an issue is 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 when they take it for granted and they start just being flippant about it. It's just which is it seems crazy now. People forget what it was they escaped from. That's the only time, really, where they get sucked in. So, um, on one hand, yep, don't you worry, Edith. We're gonna we'll get you sorted out again. That's that's no problem. On the other, once you're free again, cherish it. That's the most you know. You really gotta gotta guard it with your life. And it's not hard. It's not you don't have to put any effort into it. You just really need to sort of, you know. I don't think a day goes by when I don't feel so grateful that I don't smoke. I mean, it sounds a bit boring, doesn't it? But, I, you know, it crosses my mind. I suppose mainly because I'm sort of working around it all the time. But I'd be dead now. I've got no doubt about it. A, a, a long time ago, um, had, I, had I not stopped, you can't, you can't smoke 80 a day. and You don't, you don't beat those odds at all. So um, every year I make past this, I'm just happy. You know, just it's a real bonus. Um, so, yeah, be excited about being free and, and cherish it. That's the really important thing. This is Addiction Central. Addiction Central. We want to air your success stories. Answer your questions. And provide advice. If this advice is free of charge. We'll answer every question we receive with no exceptions. Contact us now at pod at alancar.com. Thank you so much, John, and thanks to everyone who sent in their questions. And now here I am talking with Ty Gray L. Well, so just a little historical. Um, I, came, I came from a family where, um, okay, I stole my first cigarette when I was nine years old. And I smoked, you know, it, sporadically up until maybe 11 and then I started to smoke regularly. As a matter of fact, at 12 years old, I smoked around my whole family. It was, okay, so everybody in my family smoked on my, on, and I lived with my mother and grandmother and, and all of them. I mean, my uncles, my aunts, my grandmother, my mother, everybody smoked. I mean, and you know, so I'm a baby boomer. I was born back in 1952, so, in, in 1960, I mean, it, it, you were like an, an, an outlier if you didn't smoke. 
You know what I mean? It was cool to smoke. I mean, and uh, and so I smoked cigarettes <clears throat> all the way until August the 19th, 1979. And the reason why I know that date is because I went to a hypnotist on a dare because I had been trying to stop smoking and I couldn't, I, you know, I just wasn't able to do it on my own. I didn't have, I didn't have, I didn't have the easy way. If I had known the easy way, I would have, I wouldn't have gone through all that. But anyway, I go to this hypnotist on the dare. I told the guy, I said, I don't think it worked. He said, um, well, but you don't smoke anymore, do you? And I said, no, I don't think I do. <laughs> and because when, it, when, he hypn when, it, when I went through the hypnotist, it was about a 40-minute session. And when it was over, it was like, well, when are you going to hypnotize me? You know what I mean? In my brain, it was like I, nothing had happened. So, so uh, I go out to the car, and I look up at the cigarettes over the sun visor. I take the cigarettes out and throw them in the nearest bin. Never smoked a cigarette since that day. Oh, yeah, that's interesting because we use hypnotherapy as well at the Alan Carr seminars. And it is like it's a really useful tool to use in conjunction with the Alan Carr method. I enjoyed that success with that. But about the heroin thing, that's a different. So. OK, so a little bit of backstory, a little bit more backstory. So I, I was born and raised in the first all black public assisted housing project in the United States of America. The pilot program for public assisted housing for black folk in America is a little place called Langston Terrace in Washington, D.C., about 40 blocks from the Capitol in the White House. And they built these places back in the early 30s, a part of President Roosevelt's New Deal. Well, I was born in 52, and I remember the projects as a child being home. You know, it was just where I grew up. And at 13 years old, 1965, I remember these things by the years. In 1965, I noticed that heroin had just taken over my entire neighborhood. And it was just most of the people who I had looked up to who were role models to me were seeing all over the place with all of the all of the things that come with heroin addiction like nodding and uh, uh, all of the behaviors I mean you could see people actually it was so bad and the heroin was so prevalent Colleen that you could see people walk up to the lamppost about to cross the street at the at the crosswalk and they start to nod right there. It just, in one year, it flooded my neighborhood. And I, I look back on it retrospectively now. I've actually written about this stuff um, because it's clear that it, can, it was, you know, it was designed. It just was, all, you know, it was there. So I got caught up in it. I, I was introduced to heroin at 13 years old. And at, at, for the first year, you know, I just put it in my nose and it was semi-casual. But you ask maybe how does a 13 or 14 year old even 
get close to heroin? How is that allowed? Well, growing up in these United States of America as a black man in certain neighborhoods, you you almost it's almost you're 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 extremely fortunate if you escape it because it's like everywhere it's like what you do it's it's uh it's almost like normal or it was back then anyway so it so so i got caught up in it and so for 15 years i still have the marks i could roll my sleeve up and show you but i still have the marks uh, for 15 years of heroin addiction i uh, i i i sent me to jail I lost everything I had 10 different times. <laughs> well, but I can't say now why I laugh about it is because on September 25th, again, I know these dates because they're here. Well, you, everybody, everybody who's ever been through any sort of a, a real addiction, especially if you've gone through any of those rooms like NA or AA, you know, the, you know your clean date. So my clean date is September 25th, 1980. And I know that for two reasons. One is that day I got arrested, got locked up and put away. And the other is my daughter's birthday, who she was six years old then, um, is September 25th, the same day. So I actually got arrested on her birthday, but that's the last day I did any heroin. And I didn't, I didn't use any, well, I went through, I went through a, a whole bunch of training programs. I never did the 12-step program, but I got sent to a federal correctional institution here. It's it's called Lexington, Kentucky, and it's still it's still open today. It's been open since the 50s, where anybody convicted of any kind of crime uh, for rehabilitation purposes can go to Lexington, Kentucky. And so I went there and I started studying self-image psychology, rational behavior therapy. I was in a therapeutic, a therapeutic community. And I learned, you know, so much about myself that I, I never had the desire to do heroin again, and especially after all of the stuff that I did. So, but I wasn't through with addiction because one of the things that stands out about Alan Carr's Easy Way, the, the, I think the thing that hit me the most was his chapter on um, uh, being, having an addictive personality. Because I thought until I read that book that I had an addictive personality. I thought, I thought three quarters of my family members had addictive personality. I, I thought that most of my friends and family had addictive personalities. And so his, that, that book changed my mind about that because while I got away from cigarettes and I got away from heroin, I never fully got away from alcohol. I would still, I would still revert back. I would, I, I would go through these long periods where um, I was in remission. If <laughs> That's a good way to put it. I, I would, I would, Using using willpower, just not drink. So I'd go six months, eight months, a year and a half, and over the last, you know, all my life actually since I'm 
I think I took my first drink when I was about 12. Stole that from a family, you know, that was... <laughs> I, I, I had a... I had a it, it's, your culture is so different from ours. You, you might... Well, you, you may be able to understand this because you may do some of the same things, but I come from a family where on Fridays and Saturday nights, the weekends, everybody played cards, everybody smoked, everybody drank. They, they fried chicken, fried fish, made food, you, 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 you gambled, and you drank. That's what we did. And so... Um, so I think I took, I think I may have stolen my first sip of alcohol, which this book resonates with me so much because I, I stole, so I stole a, a sip of, of, I remember this clearly, a friends uh, of, of the family used to drink Ghibli's vodka and it would always be on ice and it looked like water. I, Colleen, I remember clearly. I took a sip of that stuff and thought I was going to die. I was like, oh my God, what? what? Why are you drinking that? And so I think for the first like six months or so after that initial drink, I never drank again. And then later, that same year, I'm thinking I'm still about 12 years old. One of my cousins who was visiting for the summer, he we stole some uh, vodka and put orange juice in it. And they had this drink called Orange Flip. So he said, we're going to make some Orange Flip. And while it wasn't, it still wasn't palatable, you know, you could still, with the orange juice, I, I tolerated it. And I think that's when I started drinking. And so I have, let's see, I'm 71. I got a 60-year drinking history. <laughs> I, I never, I never was a person who drank to, to, to the place where I was in a stupor. A uh, couple times I drank too much and just felt sick, but I never, you know, drank myself to sleep and woke up the next day. But I would drink so consistently and so regularly I could feel myself running, you know, being run down. I get up the next, you, you, you know, you drink. If you're drinking every day of the week. You get up the next morning, it's like, oh, man, you're dragging. And then those times when I had these periods of respite from it, I, you know, I, I felt so much better, you know, because it is, it's poison. It's like attractively packaged poison. That's what it was. I mean, that's what it is. And now that I'm free from it, because it's been two years now, it's like, it's so clear. It's like, wow, man, well, how did you? It's amazing how we can be so um, convinced that this thing is uh, an integral part of our enjoyment of life and stuff. And 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 yeah. to see it from the other perspective now, like, how could I have been so, so gullible? Absolutely. Yeah, these societal norms uh, will have you feeling like you're an outcast if you don't imbibe when in truth it's the other way around it's like you know you're, you're actually poisoning yourself you're, you're 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 contaminating your liver you're i mean when i look back on it it's easy to now this is the easy way <laughs> but it's easy now to see you know how just how foolish it was and and how i got get and how 
90, it seems like, I know they say 80% or 90%, but it seems like 99.9% of human beings, at least in, in these United States, are caught up in it. They're just caught. Well, now it's sorting, it's sort of changing a little bit because with cigarettes being, uh, you know, ostracized the way they have been and people not smoking the way they used to, the thing is changing a little bit with alcohol. You see a few places that are alcohol-free, um, you know, no drinking and, and that kind of thing. And so, and that's good. But for the most part, while, excuse me, while I've been coming up, while I was coming up, the opposite was true. If you didn't drink, they looked at you like, well, can we trust this guy? <laughs> I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't drink. You know what's wrong with him? And and then and I, and and you know to that point, I remember a few of my friends who never smoked or drank, and we would look at them as if they were nerds. Like, yeah, yeah. what's wrong with you, man? You know. And so uh, the glory and the shame are misplaced. You were saying before about um, Ty about the um, the addictive personality theory and kind of laying the blame at the door of the the individual who's imbibing, you know, the the alcohol or the drug, rather than blaming the the, the substance itself and society that rams it down our throat um, at such a young age as well. And it's it's very empowering, isn't it, to recognise that actually the fault doesn't lie. There's no inherent weakness in in ourselves. It's just the, the circumstances of the society that we're kind of born into. Yeah, and it's, and it's also hard because we are bombarded with, I mean, you can't, you can't turn on the telly, turn it on here without being bombarded with all these commercials, these advertisements asking you or telling you that you're just not cool if you don't drink. You know, or, and they have like 99 different brands of, uh, of, of brandy, of cognacs, 99, and wine. Oh, my God, if you're not drinking wine, you know, I, I, since, since reading this book, one time I was actually taking Italian. I just got tired because it's too, too much. I was, I was looking at how many times a, a commercial will come on that has or a TV show or a movie that has somebody with a drink of alcohol in their hands. It's product placement. It's called product placement. And it's normal. You know, it becomes normal in your head. And therefore, you are, you become a victim to it because this, the, these, you're just bombarded with all these advertisements that say this is what you should be doing. You know, you're you 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 could be golden if you drank this. Right now, you're you know you're just like copper, or you're not even silver. But you could be golden if you. I mean, it's just so it's so so blatant and in your face and so regular that you uh, it just you don't even think about it. But now, but once something like you know, the easy way, because, you know, even, <clears throat> you know, I, not, I started with the easy way, but I also uh, 
got um, easy way to stop drinking, stop eating sugar. The easy easy way easy way to lose weight. I lost about fifteen pounds from after after the alcohol, and then you start thinking about. The, all the sugar that's in the alcohol and then all the sugar that's in all this other stuff. And then you, you just start to do better. So I look back at the book I, and I read everything on Kindle, right? So I'm looking back at the book and I'm like, did he just hypnotize me through the book? But the words, because the words, uh, the, the references and the way it's laid out, the way the book is laid out, with you, with you, when you get to the end, you realize, oh my God, he, he just unraveled the whole thing, and I really don't need that. When you've quit yourself, when you've kind of seen the light, so to speak, and 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 gone from being entrenched in this this view that you need drinking or cigarettes or drugs to to function properly and to shine you know in certain situations and then to see that you don't need it you really you want to help other people who are still in the in, under the illusion that they need it because you see them struggling and you see them kind of doing the you know three months on three months mm -hmm. off or whatever and you just you your heart goes out to them doesn't absolutely. it absolutely absolutely and and yeah you know we you know believing that i had had a, an addictive personality and seeing such an addicted society, it really makes you want to, you, you do, you want to help. It's like, wait, I mean, wait a minute. You don't have to be going through this because it's so much better on the other side. It's just so much better when you're clean and sober. It's just so, it's just better. And, but you don't know that if you believe, if you think that, it's some, something about your chemical makeup. It's something about you personally in your chemical makeup that makes you have to use these chemicals. That's the, that's the bullshit. That's the, that's the lie that you, 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 you live with it. You, you, you like, oh man. So you wrestle, you know, I, I, listen, I, there have been times and this, you know, I don't know how many people, well, probably a lot of people go through this, but I would be driving down the street and saying to myself, I'm not going to drink today. I'm not going to drink today. I'm not going to drink today. And pull right into the liquor store and go in there and buy two bottles of wine. After I've said to myself just minutes ago, seconds ago, I'm not going to do this. It's like the automobile steering itself. And that, that is, that is, um, it's, it's, it's debilitating because it lowers your self-esteem. It makes you feel bad about yourself. It makes you feel like something else is in control of you. So, uh, every chance I, every chance, well, the thing with this, with the easy way though, is that I don't. It, 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 it's done in such a fashion that you don't really want to ballyhoo, like, oh, I don't drink anymore, you should stop. Because I think the education that you get through this methodology 
makes you compassionate enough to realize you can't throw that in people's face because it's that monster that has them. It's not them, it's that monster. And so I'm just glad it came my way. Now I think one of the questions you asked was, how did I uh, find out about the easy way? I was searching, to be honest. I, I was looking for, I, over the years, went to a couple of hypnotists about the alcohol and it wasn't the same as with the cigarettes. I don't know, after six or seven months or so of not drinking, I'd end up in a in a set of circumstances where everybody was drinking. I remember one time I slipped off the wagon at a wedding. I end, <laughs> excuse me, but, so I end up with a one flute, one one flute of champagne, right? And the next thing you know, I drink half a bottle. Now, mind you, now, mind you, Colleen, listen, I hadn't drank anything for like six, seven months. In that one situation, I was back on it. So, so that, the, the hypnosis for that, for that never really took all the way. And so over the, over the years, and in the, especially in the last, like, the last, before I actually quit with the easy way, I went online and uh, if you go to YouTube, there are several people who have programs that say, you, you know, quit, quit with hypnosis. I don't know how many times I've set up in this place with some headphones on, listen to the, listen to those sessions, but they never really worked. Um, Nothing worked until I discovered Alan Carr's The Easy Way. And it was like, oh my God, I've been wrestling with this thing and it really is easy. It was like, I just don't drink anymore. I just don't drink anymore. And, so, and to add to it is that, you know, I've told my wife like several times, maybe I'm through, I quit, I'm done. It's over. I'm not drinking. And she's like, oh, okay. When I read Alan's book, I didn't. It wasn't. I didn't go to her and say, "Honey, I'm I'm done." I didn't do that. I didn't even feel the need to do that. I just. And she said, I think maybe six months into after I, the first year, because this is the second year. Um, she said, "You really stopped this time, huh?" Yeah, it was easy this time. Sometimes people worry when they quit drinking that they're going to suffer with horrible withdrawal from the drug or cravings. Ty, what was your experience? You know, I didn't. After, okay, maybe halfway into the book, I was still getting great. But I I think the, the book, <laughs> I don't know if this is the right way to say it, but it shamed me so much that I would allow this, this, thing that just in it, it, this monster uh, this big lie this attractively packaged poison to manipulate and control my life the way it did I think I just no I know withdrawals none of that I mean well he talks about that in the book you don't 
to be out now, 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 go back historically. I know what it feels like to have to have withdrawal symptoms because, like I said, I, I did heroin for 15 years, and in those 15 years, I want to say at least 10 times there were situations where I couldn't get heroin for whatever reason. I couldn't get it. And those two or three days that I did not get it, it was horrible. I did, but reading Alan's Alan Carr's Easy Way, I, I fully understand better now that even then, that was ninety nine point nine percent psychological. Because even though my body did crave that, after two or three days of not having it, no, the symptoms weren't even there. There was no symptoms. And so, to your question, this time, no, I didn't, no, no symptoms of withdrawal, no, uh, no craving, no wishing. Now, I'll be honest, there are times when I say to myself, even now, I was like, can you believe you just had a thought about drinking some alcohol? Because those thoughts will, I guess because I did it so much, those thoughts just pop up. It's like we went, um, we went to a retirement party and, uh, you know, it's a retirement party. Everybody retiring. I, I didn't, I, I had no craving, no, 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 I had no compulsions to drink. It's just, I think the education that you get through Alan Carr's easy way is so subtle, one, because it's, it's, it sneaks up on you what, what you just learned. It's like, it's, and it's, it's, it's almost like, you know, I knew that. I knew that, but the way it's articulated just brings it home. And so I I haven't, no, I haven't craved or had any real compulsions. Every now and again, I'll have a thought about, you know, well, I'm watching television. I'm a sports guy. You know, I watch American football. I watch the real football, too. I love <laughs> I love I love soccer, um, um, and uh, which if you if you're watching any you know I, I, I watch basketball baseball if you're watching any of this stuff every at every break mm -hmm. there's a advertisement about alcohol yeah and um, and I say to myself well how could the if the, if the, if, the, if the athletes drank as much as they advertise they couldn't even play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and um there's so much brainwashing but actually the alan carr program is very skillful at removing all of those impressions and kind of clearing your mind of this idea that the drug is uh is providing you with any benefit at all yeah. it's clever it's like it's like it's like when he when he when he when he tells you from the start you have to read it all the way through and keep an open mind all the way through with an open mind, so I'm like, okay, all right, I'll do that. And if you keep your mind open, it's like all of these revelations. Oh man, and it's a series. It's like, 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 like the ocean. Like, 
one wave gets involved with another wave that gets involved in the wave that's behind it, and the next thing you know, you're, you've arrived at that. And it's like, it's just, it's, a, it's great. It's a, uh, I'm trying to think of a metaphor. It's like, it's, 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 it's almost like you're lulled into your sobriety. <laughs> it's, yeah. That's not the right way. Well, I quite like that. But it's, it's, it's like, I do quite like that because yeah. it's almost like yeah. the waves are quite gentle and yet the culmination of all of the waves kind of lead you back to shore. Yeah, it's like it's like easy. It's like the easy way is like it's like like you 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 were caught up in this tumultuous whatever at sea and then you grab a hold of this easy way and the next thing you know you just and it was easy and you got and it was like, "Oh my god, I was dying over here." And I got rescued by this little, this little teeny little book. Like I just, I don't know. So, yeah, yeah, that's um. So, Ty, you didn't know anyone who had quit with the program. You were just googling, and you just came across the book. You didn't. No one recommended right. it. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. As a matter of fact, I've recommended it to uh, my son who's 32, and he stopped the, the, wow. the, the easy way. I sent him, I just, I just, I just sent him the book and I said, cause he had gotten a, a DUI. I don't know what you called him there. Yeah, yeah, driving you know, out DUI. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he'd gotten one of those, as young kid, I mean, and, you know, I feel sort of, not sort of, I felt, you know, almost like a hundred percent responsible for his drinking because yeah you know that yeah. I got it from my you know it's so it's like it's like almost like you inherit this thing and in your mind you, you you're thinking again that you have this flawed gene mm -hmm. and you've passed this flawed gene down yeah and so as soon as I uh, as soon as I, when I didn't immediately send it to him, but when he called me and told me he had a D, I said, "Son, are you, do you really want to quit drinking?" I said, I, "I got an easy way for you to do it." And he called me back after, after about maybe ten days with the book. He said, "Dad, thanks, man. I don't even have a desire to drink." So I recommended it, but nobody, no, I never heard of it. I, I, I found it. I found easy way online. I was tired and I went, I've been, I went through several, like I said, these quasi training programs, not training programs, but you know, people have written books and you know, you do this, you did almost like 12 steps. And then, you know, and, and then they, they have this, hypnotic fact that you know using hypnosis and I'm like but it never really resonated it never it never really took if that's the way it never stuck with me um and like it has um quite far-reaching consequences because like when you when you start treating your body properly and, and treating yourself properly then you think well actually what about you know not everyone does this but sometimes 
people um, start thinking, oh, you know, well, if I can knock drinking on the head, maybe I could, you know, address my eating or whatever things that are kind of bothering them. Yeah. Yes, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's a great point because I tended to blame every uh, every problem that I had. I blamed it on my drinking. And, And because that was easy to do, you know, it's like, if I just stopped drinking, I wouldn't, if yeah. I could just stop drinking, I would, if I could just stop drinking, I wouldn't. So all of these, you know, if I woulda, coulda, shouldas, all on that monster, that thing is very, it's, people don't, most people don't understand just how pervasive it is yeah. in this society anyway. I mean, it just takes over everything. People, people, yeah. Live their lives around alcohol. They live their lives around that substance, and they don't. They don't believe that they're abusing it because they have been tricked and trained into believing that they're not. When in fact, every time you throw some of that poison in your body, you're throwing your chemical makeup off. You're throwing. You're negatively affecting your kidneys. And everything else, every, every, everywhere it go, I mean, it's, it's poison. When, when he talked about one of the, I can't think of, remember how he said it, but when he, when he explained, um, you know, what wine actually is <laughs> and about how it's uh, fermented, unfermented yeah. grapes, unfermented vegetable waste matter and when you think about it it's like for real that's really what it is because that's the only way it gets to be alcohol is it has to it has to turn on itself so this once good fruit has now turned rotten and you're drinking the rottenness (laughs) oh my god so when that was that was like okay that's see and again that's the way why it becomes the it is the easy way because it's like did he just smack me in the face with the fact that I've been drinking <laughs> that I've been drinking rotten potatoes and rotten my my my, my I had a cousin I had an older cousin my 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 mother's brother's age who. Who he he used to make uh, yeah. he used to make wine from plums, people peaches, apple, and that's what it, you we, you go to his place you could smell yeah. when it ferments when it turns it's like the most rotten stinkingest thing, and uh, but they would wait on him for the weekend because here he comes <laughs> with those jugs. He's a popular man. Yeah, he was. He certainly was. It's funny, yeah. When you put yeah. it in those terms, in the very, um, you know, basic sense, it is just gone off fruit and <laughs> vegetables. I remember I was in Lexington, Kentucky, in the institution that I was telling you about, and some guys had made, had put up some fermented fruit to make wine, right? That's, you know, that's you're in the joint. That's what they do. And uh, one of the guys, the guy who made this particular batch had got shipped off. And the batch 
went over, like you said, gone off. It went over and exploded up in the ceiling of the place where he had it hidden. And it stank the whole place up. And they, you should have seen how they were, they were running around trying to figure out, well, where's this coming from? And it was leaking down through the ceiling because he had put it up in the ceiling. I, I forgot all about that incident, but now that you now that we're talking about it, it's like that's again proof that that's all it is. And we, um, I used to think of myself as being quite the um, sophisticated lady drinking this gone off grapes. Uh, yeah, how we can turn that into. This luxurious product, expensive delight, it is a bit kind of crazy. Yeah, when you think about like like Cavassier, Cavassier, you spend fifty dollars a bottle for it, and it's just grapes. It's just grapes who have been fermented for this a period of time, and this particular period of time makes it worth fifty dollars. It would have been a shorter period of time. It wouldn't have cost you as much. But because we let it rotten for this amount of time, and we let it rotten in this particular barrel, see, now you have to pay a little bit more. <laughs> Your money. <laughs> oh, my God. And we fall for it, yeah. you know? Well, you know, not just us, you know, generation after generation has, has kind of been duped in that way. And... Um, you know, I think you're you're right that there's maybe um, the tide is turning a bit because when I quit drinking, it was um, I almost didn't want to tell anyone I quit because they would judge me. Perhaps you know for, for for what are you an alcoholic? What's your you know why don't you drink? It's much more mainstream now. The idea of uh, if not quitting completely, at least giving yourself a, a break from it. Yeah, so yeah, at least the realization that it's poison. I'm so pleased that you've come across the Alan Carr Easy Way, and I'm so pleased that you gave us the time today, Ty, to to talk about it because it's um, you know, it's important getting the message out there. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for being there. Thank you for 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 being there because uh, it certainly had turned my life around. It certainly has been a game changer, the game changer because I was, you know, I, I was. I, I was down so low I could walk up underneath of an earthworm with a top hat on. And then the easy way came and I got up from under that thing. So, so. <laughs> Fabulous. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ty. Yes, ma'am. God bless you. Thank you so much to Ty Gray L and to John Dicey. And of course, to you for listening. Until next time.